When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody, welcome to a Monday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock. We are sitting in uh, the Browns facility again for the first time in a couple weeks. Um, we heard from Ken Dorsey today. He had his introductory press conference. So that's what we're going to talk about here on this podcast as we gear up for Super Bowl week. Mary Kay is about to head to Vegas on Tuesday, so that'll be exciting. Um, it's not going to be warmer there, Mary Kay. So I'm sure you were hoping you were at least going to get some like desert-like weather or something. I don't know, something warmer than what it's going to be there. It's supposed to be in like the 40s. Yes, and that prohibits me from, you know, poolside cabana, Dan. (laughs) So I'm very disappointed about that. Um, That means I'm just going to have to work a lot harder. Now, I did, as I was telling you guys earlier, contemplate going to see Adele again for the second time. But my husband talked me out of it and said I should go with you know, one of my daughters, one of my kids, or, you know, somebody else instead of me just going by myself at at the Super Bowl. So I probably won't do it, but I'm very, very tempted. Anyways, very much looking forward to going out there and covering NFL honors and some of the fun stuff that's going to happen out there. Yeah. So Mary Kay, I'll check in from Vegas, um, I guess maybe from the blackjack table or the slots or something. Yeah. I don't know. She'll check in from Vegas when she can here on the podcast throughout the week. So let's get to it. Ken Dorsey, um, spoke today. Kevin Stefanski spoke briefly, did not take any questions, just kind of introduced Ken, said some things about Alex Van Pelt and Bill Callahan and some of the folks that aren't here anymore. Uh, but the one thing that was notable from what Kevin said is he was asked about play call. Well, he wasn't asked about play calling. He brought up play calling and he said he doesn't know what he's going to do yet. It's only February 5th. They'll work through that. So Kevin is not ready to make any sort of announcement about play calling. I'm actually curious if he'll be ready by the time we talk to him at the combine in a few weeks. So we, I don't know. I don't know when we're going to get an answer to this, to be honest, but Mary Kay, I guess, are you a little surprised that maybe this announcement just didn't come with the hire that maybe this hasn't been worked out already? You know what? Not really, really too surprised because I do think it's an issue that they need to work through, talk through. I think it's a good idea to get Ken in the building and get to know him a little bit and get to know some of the other staff members a little bit. This is a completely overhauled staff. And so, you know, I do think it's it's good to 
get everybody in here, get the lay of the land, see how they work together, see what their leadership styles are, see what their communication styles are. And then once you sort of have a feel for this new group, because it's completely different. I mean, you you still have Chad O'Shea, the receivers coach, and some of the you know backup assistant coaches, such as Callie Brownson and Scott Peters and, and some of those coaches, but you don't have your, you know, your top position coaches anymore. So everybody's new. And I really do think it's time to just bring them all in and start working together and get the vibe. So Ashley, I, I mean, I, I don't know. How much does it matter to you who calls plays? I want This is a story. This is something we're going to ask about until it's not worth asking about anymore when, when we have an answer, whether that's in two weeks or two months or the game, you know, the Wednesday before the season starts, which honestly, that wouldn't surprise me either if Kevin decided to drag this out that long. Um, how, how much in, how much does it actually matter to you? Um, like, I think my initial um there is probably the answer, right? I, I was just thinking about earlier today, Dan, you made the joke and this is a little inside baseball. But this idea of, if, well, if it's Ken Dorsey, we'll get a chance to ask him if <laughs> things are going poorly, if he wants to move from the box to the field or vice versa. So that's a little funny reporterism in there. But I, I ultimately don't think I don't, I just don't have a dog in this fight. Like, I think it's hard to get worked up about one way or the other. I mean, at this point, Ken Dorsey does have experience calling plays, but I'm not like hell bent on seeing Ken Dorsey call plays in Cleveland. I'm fine if they want to leave it with Kevin Stefanski, because I still very much have latched on to this idea that we talked about a lot last year, which is the Browns, we've talked about Kevin is maybe not, his end-all be-all is not play calling, right? But the Browns obviously really like that aspect of Kevin. Andrew Berry went out of his way at his season wrap-up conference to bring up Kevin's play calling again. They still haven't seen Kevin call plays for Deshaun Watson in a full season. It's still a really small sample size. So, if they opt to stick with Kevin, I'm not going to be that surprised. But then again, nothing would really surprise me. And I don't think anything should have anybody up in arms, regardless of what their decision ultimately is. But I'm with you. I think this is just going to get dragged out for a while, knowing Kevin. <laughs> yeah. And like Mary can, like, I'm not saying it doesn't matter. Obviously, it matters. You know, the person who calls the plays on Sundays and is in the quarterback's headset, that, that matters. But... I guess I don't necessarily have this strong opinion. Like, I think Kevin has done a good job as a play caller. I'm not clamoring for him to give those duties up. I think he's I think he's managed games well while being a play caller. I don't think there's been issues of him not being able to juggle both things. But if he decided, you know what, I want to let Ken Dorsey do this. I, I liked what he did in Buffalo. I don't know that I'd be, like, outraged about that either. I'd be a little surprised after the season that Kevin had that, this is the time he decides to give it up. But I mean, that's really, I, I, I'm kind of with Ashley. I can't get really worked up one way or the other. No, I, you know, I can't either. I mean, I do have a strong opinion and feeling that, um, that Kevin should retain play calling duties. I do feel that he should do that uh, because I've said this for actually a couple of years now, and it never has come to fruition. I think that he uh, and that everyone deserves to see what can Kevin Stefanski and Deshaun Watson accomplished together in a full season together. And we haven't seen that. Deshaun has started six games in 2022 and six games in 2023. So we've never seen a 17-game season between the two of them. And I'm curious. I want to see what that's going to look like. And Kevin has grown as a play caller over the years. And I think he really has worked hard 
to bring in different components, different elements, and to study, uh, you know, different offensive philosophies to make sure that he is on top of the latest cutting edge, uh, you know, stuff that you can use for a dual threat quarterback. And I want to see what he's got. I mean, why not? So, you know, that's my feeling on it. Um, I have other, you know, other opinions or other points about this, but I just think that uh, it makes so much sense to me when you're bringing in all these different elements and all these different people for Kevin to retain that chore. Yeah, and I think from a continuity standpoint, just overall, right, if Kevin's, you're, you know, we've talked about it, he's going to get an extension this offseason. This guy's going to be, you know, unless something goes terribly wrong, this guy's going to be your coach for another four or five years at least. That continuity of having the same play caller is useful and helpful, and especially if it comes with a quarterback who you hope will be your quarterback for the next four or five years or however long, um, then having that continuity as a play caller it matters and, and it can be important. But if they end up giving it to Ken Dorsey and, and Kevin ends up taking it back next season, if Ken does great and gets a job somewhere or something like that, um, that I, I, I think they'll work through it. I think, I think we've reached the point where we can say like, at least for me, I like, I trust Kevin to make this decision. I think we've reached that point four years into his tenure. Yeah. I think that's also like where you should be if you're a successful head coach, especially, I mean, one like Kevin that has been calling the plays and, you know, is in charge of the offense, so to speak. Like, to me, even though we've seen, we talked about this, I think, last week or the week before, like this idea that Ken Dorsey, offensive coordinator, was not their first hire. They filled out this offensive staff at those other positions before they made a decision on coordinators. So it's, like, very different than even, like, Jim Schwartz last year on the defensive side where they brought him in really, like, first, and then it was kind of, you know, collaborative, and he was, you know, of course he said Kevin has the final word, but it was just a different vibe. Like, this feels like these other guys were obviously Kevin's decision. Like, he was the one that was here, and there wasn't that same collaboration because Ken Dorsey was the last guy in the building. Okay, let's talk... Kevin, not Kevin. Well, it is Kevin's big job, but let's talk Ken's big job. This is going to throw me off. Oh, I know. Ken, Kevin, who's calling plays, who's not calling plays. We're going to do the big podcast after Kevin finally says who calls plays. I'm going to open it up by saying the wrong name. I'm just <laughs> calling that right now. The odds on that on FanDuel are probably like minus 800 that I'll say the wrong name, the first name that comes out of my mouth. Um, Ken Dorsey said the name Deshaun Watson a bunch today as you'd expect. He threw around big superlatives for Deshaun Watson, Mary Kay. He he knows what his job is. He knows what he's here to do, whether he's the play caller or not. And he talked, I kind of felt like he sounded a lot like a quarterback's coach today too. The way he talked about being in that room and working with that room. It, he sounded a lot like a quarterback's coach today too. And of course, Deshaun is, is at the center of that. And that is another reason why I do think it's probably a good idea for Kevin to call the place because I think it would give Ken, and you're right, this Kevin-Ken thing is going to be <laughs> very challenging. Um, but I do think that it gives Ken the opportunity to really hone in on Deshaun because that's what needs to happen. He needs somebody dedicated to him, not worried as much about making sure that you've got all your ducks in a row for the play calling on game day. I mean, of course, he has to be a huge part of that. But this gives him an opportunity to really focus in on on Deshaun's mechanics, on his footwork. I mean, Ken Dorsey was the winningest quarterback 
at Miami, at University of Miami, with a 38-2 and record. So he has played the game at a really high level. He played, he was a former Browns quarterback, and, you know, of course he went 0-3 here, and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't, wasn't Bernie Kosar here, but, um, but he has played in the pros. He has played in the pros. Same thing as Alex Van Pelt. So he does understand that part of it. And I think it's important for him to really dig in to the nitty-gritty of getting Deshaun back to where he needs to get to. And that's one of the stories that I'm, I'm working on today is just how he knows that that's what he has to do. And not only does he have to get him to the point where he is elite again, um, and we saw flashes of that, especially in that second half of the Baltimore game, but he also has to help him work through coming off of a shoulder surgery. And people want to minimize this, but I think there's something to it because there's so much mental involved in this game. And he's got to be at the point where he can feel really comfortable letting it rip and doing all the things. And maybe it will be a seamless return and none of that will be an issue for him. You know, maybe once he starts throwing the football, it's going to be like old hat and no problem whatsoever. But sometimes, you know, there are little bumps in the road and... You know, I, I do think that that's going to be part of what Ken has to do is guide Deshaun through the return to the field. So there's actually a few quotes I'm going to read here as we go along um, about Deshaun. But just, I mean, in his very opening statement before he was even asked a question, uh, he said, I'm extremely excited to work with this offense, especially Deshaun and him being one of the top quarterbacks in the league. The opportunity to really go out there this season and help him prove that he really is that a top quarterback in this league that can operate and help us win a bunch of football games. So that right there, Ashley, just sets the tone off the top. I'm here for Deshaun Watson and to help make Deshaun Watson better. And that's, you know, these guys who were backup quarterbacks for a long time, you know, obviously had a ton of success in college. Like you mentioned, then he goes to the NFL. He's a backup quarterback for a while. Those guys do kind of seamlessly transition into coaching because that's sort of what they do anyway. They help the starter get ready. So again, just to... To go that far in that opening statement before anybody even brought up Deshaun's name just tells you, hey, this is a point I'm, I'm going to make. Yeah, and I think like Deshaun, if there, we were going to pick a main theme of this press conference, like it felt like the Deshaun of it all kind of was that and how these two are going to work together and what Ken Dorsey has seen from him. But it's also just this idea of we have kind of in Ken Dorsey's coaching career, you know, everyone has talked about or comparing the last couple of weeks Deshaun Watson to the quarterbacks he's worked with before, Josh Allen and Cam Newton. And, like, I do think, obviously, all those guys are very – they're similar, but they're different. They're similar in a broad way, but each guy has different things about them. Deshaun's not built quite the same as either of them. I don't think you want to run him as physical as he ran those other two guys at times. But I do think that it means something that Ken Dorsey was around when both of those guys made their individual jumps in their respective careers. And he was a big part of that. And, you know, Cam Newton released a statement when Carolina fired him. He, you know, talking about how much Ken Dorsey did for him. Josh Allen, even like when their season ended, talked about how he wished he had been better for Ken Dorsey. He knew he needed to give more. And, you know, he was playing both of those guys at MVP levels, basically. Of course, Josh didn't win, but he was right there in MVP voting after he made that jump. And I think when Ken Dorsey sees something, sees like Deshaun, it's almost like clay that he can mold. But I agree with Mary Kay 100%. This injury is just, 
it's a huge question mark for me still. And, you know, he obviously didn't want to dwell on that today, but I think it's this idea of not only the mental stuff that Mary Kay was talking about, but for me, really, this idea that it's so unprecedented for a quarterback to have this specific kind of injury. There's not really a roadmap for them to follow. So maybe in the long run, having a guy like Ken Dorsey, who's worked with all these different quarterbacks, who's helped their development, maybe he'll be, you know, a good voice to have as Deshaun kind of works through this unknown a little bit. So I want to let's spend a little more time on this injury because, again, I, one of the things I wanted to touch on is um, what he said about Deshaun and, of course, working with dual threat quarterbacks. And um, we know that Deshaun likes to run. And, you know, depending what you believe about this shoulder injury, Deshaun Watson got hurt twice. On, you know, he got hurt on two separate occasions, right? First, the hit against Tennessee, and then he hurt the shoulder against Baltimore. So that's a guy who, again, has played 12 games in two years or 12 games in three years. Um, part of 11 of those were missed due to suspension, but the others were missed due to these two injuries. So he's got to be able to protect himself. And I thought, you know, Ken, there were a couple moments today where we all kind of remember Alex Van Pelt. Like, he made every player sound like he was the greatest player in the world in press conferences. Now, I don't know if that was happening behind closed doors, but in press conferences, he talked up his guys. There were a couple times where Ken was a little stern, I thought, in this press conference or as stern as, as he was going to be. And I thought this was interesting when he said, um, it, you know, he was talking about guys that can make amazing plays. And they said, but then there's going to be times that, hey, we scramble around, we might take a sack or something like that. And it's like, well, just throw the ball away. Sometimes there's a give and take there, but it's the understanding of, okay, we've got to make sure we're playing smart, not conservative, uh, but basically extending plays and trying to make those big plays in those big moments at the right times. That's a guy that's worked a lot with Josh Allen and knows that Josh Allen is going to make this these wild plays that are going to get you first downs and touchdowns that shouldn't be, but he's also going to put you in second and 15s and second and 20s when you shouldn't be in second and 20s. That's another big thing for him to do, right, Mary Kay? is like Deshaun wants to make plays, but he has to be able to protect himself while not taking away that ability to extend and turn third and eight into a first down into a, you know, 15, 20 yard run on first and and a first down. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, with Ken Dorsey, just having spent uh, the past five years with, um, with Josh Allen, I mean, who better to deal with a dual threat quarterback who believes he can make any play on any, at any given time, regardless of the circumstance regardless of the down and distance, regardless if you have to pull it in and run it, and regardless if you have to try to run through uh, enormous defenders coming at you or hurdle them or whatever you have to do. We have watched Josh Allen sacrifice his body on almost, you know, every play. I mean, he just goes so hard on every single play. And Deshaun Watson's like that too. I mean, there are similarities uh, between how they play the game. Now, different size quarterbacks for sure, but just in terms of that kamikaze vibe that they both have, uh, you know, I think Ken's going to be really, really good in terms of helping Deshaun manage when to hold him, when to fold him, and all of those things. Now, when you look at Josh, I mean, they, they didn't put the reins on him. They really didn't. I mean, they, they let him play. They let him play. Now, he is big enough and, and you know, burly enough to withstand and absorb some of those blows. We don't know if Deshaun is going to be able to do that consistently over time. But 
I do think that they're going to let it rip. They're going to let him. They're going to let him play. I think they're going to let him play. They're going to be aggressive with him, and they're going to let him play. Which is, of course, why I think they also are going to have have to have a really good backup quarterback. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's hard, right? Because you go out there on Sundays, you're supposed to win the game. And when Deshaun Watson or Josh Allen or any of these these guys that run Lamar Jackson, whoever it is, when they're running around and they're making plays, it helps you win the game. But also, yeah, if it's first and 10, you know, it's kind of like talking through situational awareness and just making sure like, hey, you know, maybe even being in the headset, hey, it's first down. If we need to just throw this away, we'll, we'll live to see another down. And it's sort of kind of building that mentality into a guy who doesn't have that mentality. And that's what made him who he is. I, I don't know how you do that. But that's also why Ken Dorsey is getting paid a lot of money to try and do that. Yeah, and I mean, I also thought, like, along those lines, it was interesting, Dan, last week when you talked to Matt Perino, the Bills writer from Syracuse.com, and he brought up this idea that once they moved on for Ken Dorsey, but it seemed like he was talking about more this year in general, that the Bills had almost, they've gotten away from running Josh Allen a bit. Was it earlier in the season that he yeah, was talking about under, that with it, Ken? Yeah, under Dorsey, they weren't running it as much. They weren't running him as much. So yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see more <laughs> from him in that regard and his impact on this offense, because, like, Josh Allen, Allen's not the same spring chicken he was a few years ago. Of course, he's still very young, but you don't want to put too much, have the tread worn off those tires too quickly there, uh, understandably, with a guy who plays that kamikaze style. So I do think it's like this delicate balance. And what is Ken Dorsey going to bring out of that? And like Mary Kay said, like, when are you going to hold him? When are you going to fold him? And make those decisions really quickly in real time. And that's part of processing for a guy like Deshaun and how quickly is he able to process in those situations? But you don't want to overdo it. I mean, especially with this shoulder. And, you know, it sounds like, like you said, Dan, depending on what you believe with this injury, what we've been told is they were two separate things. It was a hard hit. That's always going to be a risk with the way Deshaun Watson has played in the past. So I'm curious to see if they're going to change that up at all. Yeah, and, like, you don't want Deshaun. Deshaun, you know, at least in Houston, when he was at his best, he could play from the pocket. But you don't want him to be. A pocket. You want him to play the game like Josh. You want him to play not like Lamar. Lamar's a different guy, but like, you know, these dual threat quarterbacks can, that can throw the ball down the field. Like what you love about Josh Allen is that he's going to move around and he's going to throw a 60 yard pass in the air to, St- to Stefan Diggs that he should have caught, right? Like that's what you love about Josh Allen. Um, and, and then he's going to bowl over a linebacker to try and score a touchdown. So I, I don't know. I don't know if you can take that out of someone or not, but, but that's something that Dorsey's going to have to try and try and figure out to some extent without turning Deshaun into something he's not. So the other thing I want to get to is at the very end, when you brought up the scripted plays, Mary Kay, um, I thought, Ken was very interesting in the mm-hmm. way he answered this. Um, he kind of said it wasn't something they'd gotten to yet. He said that's like step 75. But mm-hmm. the very first thing he said was, I think one, as a coach and player, as, as a coach and player relations, there's some things that are non-negotiables where it's like, look, this is the way we're doing it. Mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought that was an interesting way to start answering that question, even though as he kind of went along, he kind of said, but we haven't gotten to the scripted plays part of it yet. So I just, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, it was very interesting. I am, uh, after we finish with this podcast, I'm actually writing about that. And I thought his answer was really good because, uh, number one, he acknowledged that he is going to talk to him about that. 
because he wants his quarterback to feel absolutely comfortable with the game plan and the approach and whatever they're doing with the first 15 plays, uh, whether they script them or not. But then he also made it very clear that, I mean, look, scripted plays have been around since the dawn of man, uh, (laughs) right? I mean, they were written on stone tablets at one point. They used to hold them up on these big stone tablets Paul, Paul Brown would del- come down the mountaintop and deliver them. Deliver them. Paul Brown himself described them. Absolutely. So um, I think there was even some burning bush involved at one point. But I mean, scripted plays have been around forever. And, um, you know, they're not going away anytime soon. So I thought it was a good answer because they have to come to a meeting of the minds. You don't want Deshaun Watson to go out there feeling like, oh, I'm stuck with these plays and that's, you know, that hamstrings me and that puts reins on me and I don't like how that feels and that's why I warm up in the second half because I see what the defense is doing to me and, uh, you know, I, I see what I can take and I can see what I can get and I don't want to do what I have to do. And I, I analyzed his first, you know, drives from all of his six starts and remember, he threw pick sixes on two of them. And he only put one first drive touchdown on the board. And so obviously there is a disconnect or a problem with, with what's going on with him in the early part of the game. And they do have to work through it, and they do have to figure it out, whether it's in the parameter of the 15 scripted plays or whatever, however they do it. But they have to talk about it, and they have to come to a meeting of the minds because if Deshaun's comfortability is paramount, you got to make sure that he feels good about the beginning of the game. So however they do it, they got to do it, but they have to talk about it and they will. And when you have a, when you have a franchise quarterback, this is what you do. You don't just say, no, this is how we're doing it. Mm-hmm. And you're going to like it. Um, even though Ken did say there are some things that maybe you do that with a guy, but you've got to work with your quarterback and you've got to make the offense work with your quarterback and figure out what he likes. And you sit down and go over all that stuff. And that's, that's, you know, that's part of the first 15 process too, is like, Hey, what do you like? What are you seeing? Um, and it's building that trust and that rapport where Deshaun can say, I don't like this play. I don't want to do it. Um, well, there was a Jacoby Brissett play. I can't remember which, which team was it? In, was it against Tampa? Maybe I think it was the Njoku catch where they put it in like the night before because mm-hmm. Jacoby said like either Jacoby didn't like it or something at first and they, they had a meeting on Saturday night and they talked through it and they worked it out and they ended up putting the play in and it ended up in a touchdown. So those are the things that are happening, you know, on a day-to-day basis in an NFL building. And so you've got to have that rapport and that quarterback has to have the trust that you're going to put in what I like and when you send in a play – this is going to all be collaborative. That's just how it is in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think, too, it's just the world the Browns live in. Like you said, he is their franchise quarterback. Like, this is the world you live in when you have a Deshaun Watson that you gave a historic contract to, that you're putting a lot on him. I do think there has to be a bit more collaboration there as opposed to, hey, it's my way or the highway. Like, you may have to do if you're a team with a rookie quarterback or something like that, somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience or the same skills. But... Yeah, I'm curious to see what this looks like, knowing the quarterbacks Ken Dorsey has worked with in the past, you know, maybe some of that collaboration that can occur, because, like, it strikes me as part of Deshaun's maybe, like, disenfranchisement with the scripted plays is he likes to improvise and do those things and make those big plays. So I can imagine when you're really good at that, and that's the part of the game you like, when you're on a script, 
you feel maybe a bit more hamstrung at times, and some of those things weren't working for them. It took a while to get this pass game figured out. So I do think that's a big part of it, too. And, you know, it also makes me think that this is one of the reasons why Alex Van Pelt is no longer here. I remember asking Alex over the years about Odell would always say, I like to freelance, I like to do my own thing, I like to get open however I want to. And then you would ask Alex about that, and he'd be like, no, you got to be on a spot. you got to be – this is a timing, precision right. offense. So he comes from, you know, that type of offense where, you know, it's not all street ball and off-schedule plays and improvising and all that. And I think they wanted somebody who was a little bit more well-versed in that kind of player. And, you know, as I've been thinking about this over the past few days, I'm like, maybe Alex didn't fit with – hey, let's just wing it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I think that was a big factor. Well, and there's a, there's a bigger discussion here. Um, <laughs> like, I've always been a believer that as an offensive coordinator, you you need to know how to get guys' touches early in games, like mm-hmm. like in basketball, right? Um, you need to just know how to get a guy a touch. Mm-hmm. And, and I always thought this with Odell and Jarvis, that in games when they went a long time without touching the football, you saw their body language. It was like they they're miserable. They don't... But you get them a cheap touch, even if it's a three-yard gain. You get them a touch, and all of a sudden they're engaged again, and, and they're in it. And I do think that's something that Kevin hasn't always been great at. I don't know if that's something Ken Dorsey's good at, because Stefan Diggs had some droughts in Buffalo, and I think he's one of those guys. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see if they can kind of be that team that understands, hey, you know, we're willing to take, you know, maybe not a loss, but we're willing to take a play that's maybe not a super positive player just to get the football in this guy's hands. Mm-hmm. So he can, he can touch the football, take a hit, whatever it is to keep this guy engaged. I, I think that's a real thing in football. And I think the really great play callers know how to do that. I do. I mean, I think you're right on the money with guys like Jarvis and Odell and from what we saw there. And it's like, for me, when I think of ABP's time here, like, yeah, I don't think of those things, right, as being highlights for him. I think almost more like in the Baker years, like what would we always talk about? Like he was the guy who was able to help Baker get his feet right and do those kind of things. Like Alex Van Pelt is great, I think, at that sort of stuff. But yeah, like that improvisational stuff, I think maybe from a fan's perspective, I think some fans get frustrated, right, and think like, oh, Kevin's not willing to adapt or change. I think Kevin's very receptive to that stuff. I think he's more receptive than a lot of fans realize or appears on the surface, and he is willing to experiment a bit more and not, like, super set in his ways. As we say all the time, these are smart guys. These are Ivy League guys. (laughs) They're willing to kind of change things when they have to. So maybe this is just a part of it, and, hey, maybe Alex Van Pelt, his best time here was for that quarterback that needed that very specific kind of development and Deshaun Watson just doesn't need the same thing or the same way of thinking. Yeah. Which it you know, goes to that first 15, right? Like mm-hmm. some of it's about like, I don't need Harrison Bryant to touch the football on the first play in oh. <laughs> Pittsburgh. I don't need that. You know no. what I need? I need David Njoku making an easy catch and running oh, yeah. people over and having a big smile on his face. And then I've got David Njoku engaged and ready to go for the next 59 minutes. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. I don't know if those are strengths of, of Kevin and Ken. Got to get used to saying that. Uh, but that's something that we'll sort out over the next year. Uh, okay, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Find us on Instagram, search Orange and Brown Talk. On YouTube, search Cleveland Browns on Cleveland.com. Become a football insider subscriber, Cleveland Browns. Cleveland.com slash Browns. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page. Um, and we will have a full week of pods coming your way. Like I said, Mary Kay is going to be in Vegas for the Super Bowl. She'll check in. We'll do a Hey Mary Kay before she takes off uh, tomorrow. 
at some point. Probably next week, we're going to bring you part two of the awards show. I'm not going to commit to anything yet, but we will have part two of the awards show uh, coming your way as well. So just subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.